Bud Blake, report to the Olympia Standard, please. Bud Blake, please report to the Olympia Standard. He sounds so much more... The Proper, but tell us. Welcome to the Olympia Standard. I'm Danny Madrone. I'm Emmett O'Connell. This podcast is a calm, reasoned conversation about local issues in Olympia, Washington. Calm and reasoned. Yeah. Calm. Okay. All right, this is the Olympia Standard. This is our first time ever having candidates on the show with us. Welcome Mary Hall and Stuart Holmes running for Thurston County Auditor. Thank you. The next episode, we'll have the Thurston County Prosecutor candidates on, and then we're hoping to have the Thurston County Commissioner candidates on in the following episode. Um, Bud, we have reached out to you, and we would really like to have you on the show if you're a listener and you would like to hear uh, what Bud has to say on our show, please uh, let, let, let him know. Otherwise, we might just go ahead with, uh, with the other candidate. Looking forward to see you, Ty. Just a reminder for our listeners, we are hosting a ballot party on October 25th at 6 p.m. at the Magnet. That's the brunch spot inside Three Magnets. Uh, sorry, Mary and Stuart, you're not invited. No candidates so that we may have <laughs> candid conversations. <laughs> I, that's kind of rude, isn't it? Yeah. To yeah. talk about something and be like, oh, not you guys. Well, they might be busy campaigning. Yeah. <laughs> be a busy time. So we'll go ahead and get into the race for Thurston County Auditor. And just a quick background for our listeners. Uh, What does the auditor do? The auditor manages elections. Uh, It manages uh, financial components of the county as it pertains to auditing. Um, And also does recording and licensing for the county. Did did I get it right, guys? Is that it? Yes. All right. (laughs) And soon-to-be passports. Oh, yeah. I did read that on the mm-hmm. website, actually. Okay, cool. So we're going to um, start each of these interviews with a, um, a non-political icebreaker, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. But, um, Stuart, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience first? Sure, yeah. I'm Stuart Holmes. i am uh, been working in, in public administration for 13 years. Uh, I currently work for the Secretary of State's office. I'm a nationally and state-certified election administrator and uh, excited to be here. Excellent. Mary? My name's Mary Hall. I'm the Thurston County Auditor. Uh, I started my career in elections in 1996. So I've been a nationally certified elections administrator since 2004. And prior to that, I was president of an imaging and document management software company. Excellent. And we figured that rather than asking for your elevator speech, we would start off with a question that has nothing to do with politics. So Stuart, what kind of food can be eaten for any meal of the day? Gosh, uh, my wife and I, we love waffles. Uh, you can do waffles like with anything. It is crazy. Uh, recently, we went down to Portland and they had uh, like grilled cheese sandwiches uh, that were made into like burgers. It was like the grilled cheese grill. If you've Where never was been, this? it's in Portland. In Por- Google grilled cheese grill if you haven't been there. But Excellent. it was delicious. And I've had this like vision of recreating that with like a waffle. And I think it would be amazing to do something like kind of this breakfast sandwich out of a waffle. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you no, know, I just, uh, yeah. Obsidian no? Downtown used to do savory waffles, too. 
before they closed. Yeah. But, yeah. I was there. I went there one time. It's like I went to Trinacria just one time and then they closed, unfortunately. Oh. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. Actually, I think it's the same for me. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, you guys are the kiss of death. I'm going to disagree with him on the waffles. Waffles are a breakfast food. It's a classic breakfast food. Yeah, but I think he was saying that you can make it a grilled cheese or a burger. Yeah, you can. Have, but it, uh, we're not disagreeing with their answer. Why not? I disagree okay. with your Mary, answer on this one. Mary. It's not, <laughs> it's not political. <laughs> I know. Mary, what kind of food can be eaten for any meal of the day? I think quiche or eggs. Mm. You can do so much with eggs. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I'll have ham and eggs for dinner. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll make quiche for breakfast. Sometimes I'll heat it up for dinner. Sometimes I'll eat it cold. Sometimes I warm it up. I just think eggs are awesome. And I have a lot of friends who have chickens, so I get a lot (laughs) of farm fresh eggs. And (laughs) so when I have an abundance, I tend to make a lot of quiche or have ham and eggs for dinner. Excellent. And just for the record, the uh, correct answer was also burrito. Mm. Uh, well, and, no, mm. taco. Oh, man. And, taco, and I have no actually way. been debating this all week. Breakfast tacos, taco. come on. Yeah. Yes. Some people would also say pizza. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Or pie. If you're a 12-year-old boy, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the first actual political question here, um, starting with Mary. Um, uh, you, you're the incumbent. You've been in office, um, uh, running the shop for a little while. What do you see in your opponent's campaign that you think is a good idea? You know, I haven't really studied my opponent's campaign at all, and I haven't been in many events with him. Yeah, we were just talking about how so, this is, we're actually kind of out the gate pretty early here. Yeah, he focuses a lot on elections, and, you know, I see that there's a lot more going on in the county than that. There's a, you know, we're in our third clean audit in a row, which uh, I think is a big accomplishment. When we had four out of five uh, the last four years before I got into office, we had audit findings. So I want to continue that and make sure that we continue to uh, create strong financial controls and keep the county, you know, healthy and lean and uh, have as many great services as we can for customers, great. as well as security and elections and, you know, focusing on getting people out to vote. All right. And Stuart, um, what is your opponent doing in office right now that you wouldn't change? You know, I think uh, that she's got a strong team uh, at, the, at the foundation. Uh, she's got uh, some real uh, quality staff on uh, currently in, in, in her office. Um, and I think uh, one of the things that they do very well is they uh, not mentor, but they go out and they, they lend a hand to other counties that are maybe have recently had some staff turnover or they uh, get um, onto working groups to uh, lead the state in in new and exciting directions. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, Okay, so next we're going to start with Stuart. Um, Stuart, how does your lack of a party affiliation, you're running as an independent, um, how does that influence your campaign and what you would like to do uh, if you're elected to auditor? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. It's it's one that you know it's I've struggled with with my campaign because people like to try to put me into a party as they kind of look at my campaign and they try to you know with that sort of mystery of what what is an independent. I know you guys had a podcast recently where you talked about big eyes and little eyes, mm-hmm. um, but I think what one of the benefits is is when people endorse me, they're endorsing me. They're not in endorsing a party's vision. They're endorsing my vision uh, for uh, what I stand for and what my beliefs are. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, and then in addition, uh, my only obligation is to tell the truth. 
I don't have a party line to, to follow. I don't have any other obligations other than to the people of Thurston County. Okay. Mary, um, how does your affiliation with the Democratic Party influence your decisions? I don't think it influences my decisions at all. And this really could easily be a nonpartisan office because when I walk in that door, there is no party anything. And I don't allow folks to talk politics or anything like that or work on campaigns if they're working in elections. But I'm not ashamed of my party. And it is a partisan office. So, you know, I think that it can be misleading and deceptive to to not put a party. And if you look at the PDC, it's very clear who the contributors are and what party they're from. So I think I think not running as a party where a two-party system is a little deceptive. And, you know, I actually looked into, you know, what counties in Washington have nonpartisan auditors. And there's actually, uh, there's four of them, mm-hmm. um, not including King County where it's right. appointed, but there's several counties that have done the home rule charter. And we've got Whatcom and Clallam, Snohomish and San Juan have all opted to just make it a nonpartisan office. Pierce County as well. Yes, it's oh, Pierce. Pierce as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, I missed that yeah. one. Thank you. Julie Anderson. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, Stuart, I'm wondering, um, before Mary was on board, we had a Republican uh, auditor in office for... 35 years, very long time, Sam Reed and Kim Wyman. Years. Yeah, yeah. So so between the two of them, um, you know, we, uh, we, we've had a Republican in for a while. We now have a Democrat in office with Mary Hall. But we also, when uh, Kim Wyman was up for election at uh, Secretary of State most recently, Thurston County, by and large, voted for her mm-hmm. over the Democratic challenger. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, do you think it's a problem in this county that you are you seeing hyperpartisanship? Are you because when I look at that, I think that people in this county are voting for the person who they think is going to do the job best. Yeah. yeah, voting for the person, not the party, for sure. I don't think that's a problem at all. I think that's actually a good, healthy thing to have in a community is people really uh, looking at the candidates for what they stand for and what they believe in, not essentially going, you know, um, voting for the Democrat uh, straight party ticket style uh, and just going down ballot to the Democrats or going down to the Republicans. Uh, I think they're really looking at the, you know, the voter's guide, doing additional research into the candidates uh, and, uh, you know, getting down into the, the nitty gritty in the candidates for sure. But I don't see that as a problem at all. Okay. Did you have anything you wanted to follow up with, Mary? No, I I actually agree. I don't think that people view this as a partisan office, and it really, the job is nothing to do with partisanship. So I agree with that. And that's why if you look at the 67% of the vote I got in the primary, those were not Democrats. Those were a lot of Republicans. I have Republican endorsements. Um, I have independent endorsements. Sheriff John Snaz has endorsed me. Um, Republican auditors have endorsed me. Republican neighbors have endorsed me. So I really do believe they look at the qualifications of the candidate and who can do the best job and who is best suited for the position. Sounds like ideally, though, we just wouldn't have a partisanship label on this position. Well, I I would disagree with that because I think um, in some cases, like if you were to look at those uh, home rule counties where they've gone into a nonpartisan office, uh, studies have shown that uh, people are more likely to vote in those races because they have an indicator um, to to sort of identify with that this candidate believes this way or this candidate believes that way. Those um, counties and, that don't have like a podcast that's bringing Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. You guys Easy need to go on a road show. <laughs> but I think if you were to look at uh, the 
the turnout uh, in the auditors' races that are nonpartisan versus the ones that are partisan, you may see some trending that those actually have lower turnout. Oh, interesting. I'll, I'll, or I'll not turnout, but it's uh, the ballots cast in those races. Okay. Because overall turnout is counting wide, and the auditor's position is unlikely to be the driver of turnout in any <laughs> particular election. Yeah. So I guess I don't get that then. If if I mean, I agree with you that uh, um, that partisan markers are important in terms of Voters understanding the issues at debate because issues at debate because they can they can look at a left an easy left right sure. I mean, how does you being how do I mean if I don't want to put you on the spot here, but well, that's what actually we're putting them both on the right. Spot. I mean, I mean, <laughs> at first at first I wanted to ask you like, would it be better if Kim Wyman was an independent? But now I want to move on to like, if you did have to pick a um, an identifier, I mean, independent sort of just mean I mean. Yeah, I don't really think it's like that informative. I mean, if you had to pick an identifier that was like, I mean, if I just took the option of independent away, what identifier would you use mm -hmm. that would be most informative to the electorate? Right. I, I would have, when I filed for office, I would have liked to have selected. So there's, there's a couple options. You can either, you have a like 16 or 19 characters or something you can put your party preference in. I would have liked to have said that I have none, uh, but then on the ballot it would have said states no party preference. And I also think that is kind of confusing. Does that mean you like both parties equally? or uh, So it's it's there's not a lot of options for somebody that's in my position where I have no political leanings one way or the other. I've never contributed to another uh, party's candidate or contributed to a ballot measure or done anything like that. I'm simply just inspired to serve my community. So... Uh, Filing as an independent was the clearest way, I thought, to uh, communicate that I am completely independent. Unfortunately, uh, there is an independent party. Uh, mm -hmm. And so how do you do I should have done a little eye on my candidate filing and then said I'm just. I don't a, know if that's an option, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, think they, I think they capitalized more. <laughs> oh. But so I, I, you know, I would have liked to have had an option as a candidate to identify as not having any affiliation whatsoever. Yeah. Okay. Before we move on, Mary, I want to, I, I, because it was the, the question about being an independent, I feel like we focused on Stuart a lot there. Is there anything you want to follow up with? There are indicators of what people might or might not support when they put a, a letter after their name. You know, if you look across the country, Kurt Kobach, you know, from Kansas, they tend to be much more conservative and, you know, want strict citizen checks and things like that. You know, it's pretty clear that the Democratic Party wants to be more inclusive to voting and ensure that. Uh, we break down the barriers while still maintaining the security in our systems. Okay. And Mary, this one's for you first. But before we get in too far into elections, let's talk about finance. Managing elections is only one part of the job for the county auditor. Another one is uh, financial services, ensuring the county budget is being followed. What, in your experience, show you can lead the office that keeps an eye on how the county spends its money? You know, I do have the internal auditor in my office, and we look at the departments really to see if they have strong financial controls, that there's a separation of duties and things like that. But the commissioners approve the budget, yeah. and once an officer department gets their budget, it's up to them how they spend it. So unfortunately, the, the spending issue as far as the county goes, is really out of my control. I do budget monitoring to let people know where various departments are in the process. Are they close to going over budget for the year? And that becomes an issue. And then, of course, I notify our 
budget manager. Do you look at that by line item? Like, you know, uh, where, where one line uh, uh, item on there, and, and there's different terms used at different places for this, but like, you know, salaries versus travel versus, you know, other expenses, um, or do you just look at the overall yeah, number? That's not really my role okay. to get into line item analysis. Yeah. And it's really just to say, our how is our cash flow? You know, we have tight cash flow months, March and September, because it's the month before property tax collection. Mm -hmm. So just to make sure that we're going to be able to meet payroll, that we have adequate cash on hand, and if not, what's our plan? And and I work in conjunction with the treasurer as well with that. Same question. Same question. So, uh, you know, coming from uh, a slightly smaller county uh, in, in central Washington called Benton County. Um, I was the election administrator there and, and you know, dealt with the uh, budget and, and, and sort of got my roots in uh, fiscal analysis in that, in that uh, position. Um, and that got me into uh, sort of the data analysis side of budgeting um, and being able to look at historical trends over time and be able to predict where things are changing, where uh, our postage costs going up, there's paper costs going up, you know, how, how are all these things that are ancillary to the office affecting the budget. Um, and then that, uh, then I, when I got to the state level, I'm um, actually, uh, every uh, legislative session is probably one of the busy, busiest times that I have, um, because of all of the um, legislation that uh, affects elections, uh, there's fiscal impact statements. And so you have to study the impact of that bill um, across t um, the, the the state level, uh, or the, at least the Secretary of State's office, and be able to provide an explanation of what that is, a approximation of what those costs might be, um, and so you're having to do a lot of analysis and uh, explanation in layman's terms to somebody that may not understand exactly how the budget process works. And in addition to that, uh, Mary mentioned earlier that I've been focusing on elections in my campaign. That's a strategy, right? I'm not going to give my opponent my entire strategy, but I have been in a analyzing the, the uh, auditor's office budget uh, for my campaign, and I've um, identified some inconsistencies, I'd say, and sort of sort of weird trends in, in spending. But uh, the other thing that I've been doing is looking at the sources of revenue. So you mentioned earlier that the county auditor does uh, document recording. Well, the single biggest con contribution to ending homelessness and affordable housing comes from those document recording fees. Mm -hmm. uh, and yep. so the that those recording fees get allocated. Um, but uh, being able to show transparency into where those dollars are coming from and where they're going, um, I think is a key role for the auditor's office. Um, and that's just one of those fees. Uh, you also they deal with vehicle license. I know that goes to the, the Department of Licensing for um, their uh, reporting, but uh, at the same time, I think showing that, uh, for example, anytime you renew your tabs in the auditor's office, $5 of that goes to the DOT ferries. Uh, and I don't know about you, I haven't rode a ferry in Thurston County ever. Um, and so being able to show that transparency, not only with the balancing, but uh, transparency of that, uh, those fees and taxes that are being collected, I think is uh, an important role for the auditor. 
and Mary, did you have a follow-up for that? Sure. Um, what my opponent doesn't understand is while we may collect the recording fees, we're simply a pass-through agent. It's really up to the Board of County Commissioners how those fees are spent. And a lot of those also go to the cities. So, And that's the same for licensing fees as well. It all goes into the general fund or to the Department of Licensing. So I'm simply the agent who issues license plates and tabs and things like that. And that's not under my control. I didn't mention anything about how it was spent. I mentioned how it was collected. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, um, one of the things we like to talk about most on this podcast is voter participation, voter turnout. And, sir, you brought up uh, declining voter turnout in uh, Thurston County. Um, but beyond uh, ensuring that the voters understand that the elections are administrated in a fair, open, and secure way, what is the role of the auditor to encourage voter participation? So the the auditor is obviously uh, responsible for having the opportunity to the giving the opportunity to the voters. I think there's a, a lot of different legislative legislative packages that were passed uh, this past year. Implementing those is absolutely the auditor's responsibility. As far as ensuring turnout meets some sort of marker is not the auditor's responsibility. I think there's things you can do to improve turnout uh, by educating voters and spending uh, time in the community to learn what their challenges are. I think there's uh, certain pockets of population, specifically in like the Lacey area that have, uh, they're the biggest pocket of population that is uh, um, limited English proficiency. And they have three drop boxes within, you know, a, a mile or something like that, but they still have the lowest turnout or one of the lowest turnouts uh, in those precincts. And so why might that be? Uh, and you would have to actually go into those communities, identify what their barriers are and not uh, come at it from a, a, an approach uh, that is, you know, one size fits all. Mary? I absolutely think that it is the auditor's responsibility to help with turnout and voter registration, and that's in federal law. Um, we work really hard to get people registered to vote. In fact, our voter registration is up 10%, 20% for military voters. The challenge I think we have in Olympia is we don't really have a media market, so we do as much as we can. What, what do you mean media market? We don't have the TV stations, for okay, example. Gotcha, that's gotcha. The media market is really in Seattle. Yeah. Um, so we use a lot of social media, boosting social media, things like that. We're very involved in National Voter Registration Day, which ironically enough, Stuart, you guys uh, scheduled a meeting for the next generation of the statewide voter registration database on National Voter Registration Day, which is taking my elections manager and another staff person out of that mix to do outreach in the community. So I'm not sure why that happened. But we have increased our voter turnout. From the last like election, our turnout was up 10% in the primary election. So, but turnout is down across the country. It's not just Thurston County, and it's certainly not Washington State, but the prior Secretary of State did a lot of outreach, a lot more outreach than I think that is happening now, and I think that may be one of the reasons we're seeing a decline. Do you think the boost this from this last August primary was because of the decision by the state to ensure uh, postage for mail voting? I think that was part of it, yes. In fact, our return by mail was up 30%. So um, I met with the governor's policy staff. She's doing some thorough analysis now. And if you look at the uh, pilots that King County did, it definitely increased their voter participation in their pilot elections. And you can find that information on their website. It's actually quite fascinating. Um, I, there's no way you can 
infer that prepaid postage had any impact on turnout because if it was done, there's no control group for you to say it, it had a, a measurable impact. Um, when you look at turnout across the state, it was right in line with where it was uh, eight years ago. Um, four years ago, I think there was no U.S. senator on the ballot. So I think it was you can't really measure against 2014 versus how 2018 performed. What was uh, the county in eastern Washington that had that paid for postage a while back, I think in the early part of the decade? Franklin County. Franklin County. They saw their... They saw their voter participation decline after they stopped paying. It boosted from one election to the other, and then it started bumping down as mm -hmm. the elections went on. Right. And again, it's hard to say, well, it's impossible to say that prepaid postage had anything to do with that because there's no control group for you to measure against. Um, do I think prepaid postage is a good thing? Yes, it absolutely reduces a barrier. But is that the incentive somebody needs in order to participate um, and I don't think we can say that, uh, at least based on this this experiment, at least with the primary and the general election, that we'll be able to say with an, with well, any certainty. Yeah. Right? We'll have to look at trends over right. time. And, and at least based on the primary, it, it didn't impact turnout. Well, what you'd need to do is you'd need to divide the county up into random samples and give one person one group postage give the other person not put or the, the oh group but that's not, not fair you can't experience no you can't do that <laughs> no. only if we were super evil yeah. but yeah amir i saw you nodding your head a little bit when emmett was talking about um the control groups yeah yeah i don't think that would be legal oh no 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 i meant prior prior to that when he was talking about um a prepaid postage in another county i just saw you nodding your head a little bit so i didn't know if you wanted to contribute anything to that well we don't have enough data i agree to really say whether it improved it or not. Um, but King County did a couple elections, and there was nothing special about the special elections where they offered prepaid postage, and it did increase their turnout. So it'll uh, yet to be seen. I hope the legislature votes to continue this, and I think it's a great idea. Stuart, I'm, I'm disappointed that you didn't mention the iPhone yeah. stickers because you mentioned it on Reddit, and we do ballot parties, yeah, and yeah, we yeah. actually... I go to the yeah. editor's office and grab packets yeah. of I voted stickers for people. So. It, well, it's a huge social influencer. There's a, um, I, I've done a lot of research into who, uh, there's this term called social pressure, right? So you, the we've, I, we've talked about that on yeah, the show here. And so yeah. you have, That's what ballot parties are, social yeah. pressure. Yeah, so you, you essentially see the I voted sticker and you want to be a part of that. You don't want to be the, the outsider. And so that little, what a one cent sticker i don't know what it costs but it's it's uh how much a, is that sticker mary a, you huge, know? a huge influencer for sure and going to vote by mail was one of the things that uh you know sort of took people away how do you get them this sticker in the mail you know so that anyways there's a, a lot of differences uh in vote by mail versus polling places but uh as mary mentioned uh the uh previous secretary of state did a lot of outreach there was also hundreds of millions of dollars in federal funds that were used to, to do that and so I think uh, right now we would uh, be happy to have a, a statewide primary voters pamphlet, I think would be a huge uh, driver in getting people educated into the candidates. I know that there's some, I was talking to uh, another podcast over in Lacey about uh, that, and there's uh, people that think that that's not a great idea. And so I think there's an opportunity for discussion on what are the best uses of our money to outreach and educate uh, the people in Thurston County. Any follow-up, Mary? I would love to put I voted stickers in the voters pamphlet, and we actually looked into that, but it was really cost prohibitive. Okay. So what we've come up with is we're actually making I voted buttons 
So if people come into our office, they can reuse them. And we're putting badges up on our Facebook page and asking folks to change their profile picture yep. when they vote. So It's all about that Instagram moment. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we're doing what we can. Um, yeah, I would love to put one in the voter pamphlet, but it's a lot more expensive than you think. Yeah. I, and so just note to the listeners, if you come to our ballot party on October 25th, 6 p.m. at the Magnet, you can get an I Voted sticker. <laughs> Um, Mary, uh, this question will go to you first. Uh, cybersecurity in elections has been a huge topic nationally. Uh, both of you have talked about it at some point in your campaigns. Um, we, because we have mail-in ballots, uh, we're a more secure system in the state of Washington. But there are measures that are being made statewide for improvements. Uh, in, I, I was reading in, that includes a partnership with the National Guard uh, that uh, the Secretary of State is working on. Uh, so. How does that translate down to the county level? Like what needs to happen at the county level to ensure cybersecurity? Great question. So we are in the process of going to two-factor authentication. So anybody that touches a computer, it's, it's basically something you have, something you know. So you have a card that would be required to log on, and then you'd also need a PIN. So if anybody was to lose their password or somebody would, was to figure out their passwords, they still would not be able to access the systems. We've had Homeland Security come in and talk to us. They offer a lot of free services, free testing. In fact, uh, they're coming up right now, this week or next week. So I'm pretty excited about that. We're going to be doing some phishing exercises to see how, how many people actually click on those links because a lot of it is just educating staff. My staff and I spent two days in a Homeland Security training about two weeks ago on cyber preparedness and cybersecurity. So we're doing everything we can. Um, I really think we need some state and federal resources. The federal government gave the state of Washington about $8 million, and unfortunately, none of that really filtered down to the counties. They are going to give us what they call an Albert sensor, but that's through the Center for Internet Security, and it's just a monitoring tool. And that will probably go, my guess is, after our voter registration system between the, the state IGN, intergovernmental network. So I've talked with Congressman Heck. Uh, Senator Sam Hunt and I actually went and talked with Congressman Heck, and we've discussed security a lot and what is really needed. We need more at the local level. However, you have to keep in mind that when you hear about the breaches, they're talking about voter registration systems. Mm -hmm. That's what got breached in Illinois. Our tabulation systems are not networked to the internet. They're not even networked to each other. They're behind a locked screen. Uh, they require multiple passwords to get in. And we don't even have cell service in the building where we oh. process ballots. So it's pretty secure in there. We've got cameras that can see every corner. They're motion activated. So that means 24-7 whenever there's motion. And the building's alarmed. So we're always looking for ways to improve security. We will be going to a card system with all of our temporary extra help people that we hire each election. So we're doing everything we can. And um, I'm asking for IT person as well to focus on cybersecurity, but our budget deliberations have not happened yet. So fingers crossed. All right, Stuart. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, the funding that the federal government allocated to the state is going to be used uh, for a number of things that'll help all 39 counties. Um, I'm not sure how much I can elaborate on those because it's sort of kind of in this weird gray area of campaigning and what my real job is. And what? What? 
You said that it doesn't exist. I, I don't think it exists. I've asked okay. multiple times, and all that they're what they're going to do is hire a basically hiring an IT team that will focus on security. Okay. All right. So yeah, I would say that it doesn't exist because we're hiring. But yeah, okay. It's not filtering so, down to the counties, so, is what I was implying. Okay. So we'll let you, yeah, we'll yeah, let you finish yeah, there. We'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. We'll so I think the the biggest things for uh, cybersecurity is paper ballots. Washington State obviously requires paper ballots. Not only if you're voting by mail, um, but if you go in and use uh, uh, what are these accessible voting units so people living with disabilities will be able to vote independently and privately, those also produce a paper ballot that can be audited and have a paper trail. Uh, that paper trail can then be used for risk-limiting audits. So there's a lot of preventative measures that uh, my opponent talked about, but what we need to do is also work on how we can identify if something has happened. Um, risk-limiting audits are just one of those ways, so it provides statistical evidence that the tabulator has not been uh, altered in any way, and so you'd be able to go do as few ballots as possible to give you a uh, confidence level that you the tabulator tabulated at least a 95% confidence level or a 99, or you'd be able to set your threshold and be able to do that. And so that's something that I've been doing a lot of research into, um, and uh, I'm excited that the legislature passed that bill uh, in the last session and am uh, looking forward to 2019 when those will be possible. Um, currently, they're not. Uh, what the auditor relies upon is just a, a random batch sample, uh, which has a really, really low, I mean, random is only as random as it can be. And then uh, it's a small enough group that it, it may not actually yield a really high confidence level that that small of enough batch is actually producing that uh, the tabulators calculating everything correctly. So I think there's, uh, you know, the preventative measures, but then there's also being able to identify when the system has been breached um, is good. And I've uh, been working in, uh, you know, in elections for 13 years, uh, but um, most of that time have been focusing in on accessibility and cybersecurity and those those sort of pressures between the two. Um, you can make a system really, really secure, but you also have to maintain the accessibility so people can use it. Um, and so then you've got uh, advocacy groups um, that are wanting to be able to vote online because it's really, really accessible, but that's also really, really insecure. So being able to have a knowledge base that's not only uh, in security, but also understand the accessibility ramifications and vice versa is something that I think would I would bring to this position and uh, have done already for the state. This question will go to Stuart first, but one of the things we really enjoyed about our election coverage last year was we were basically asking uh, emotional questions. We didn't ask any policy. Emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence questions. Oh. So, and not about food. <laughs> no. Not about food. Although that is an emotion. I mean, if you don't really believe burritos are the answer to that question. <laughs> so uh, beyond the actual level of security with the voting system, it's important to, for people to believe that it is secure. A lot of this has to do with the reputation of the person managing the system. So with that in mind, but like don't answer this as if you like are giving this advice to an aud county auditor. With that in mind, what advice would you give a friend who wanted to build and maintain a good reputation in their career? Hmm. What served me very well is to uh, do the research ahead of time. I think people are more and more impatient. They, they get asked a question or there's a problem in front of them and they just immediately want to respond. I think there is times in which 
taking that step back and, and uh, assessing the entire situation, um, doing some additional research is something that has benefited me throughout my career. In addition, you don't also, you don't want to embellish, you don't want to take uh, your skills and em embellish them or overstate them. Um, also, I think what we've learned with the current political climate, uh, that misleading people by telling them half the story is something that uh, had major ramifications on our society today. Um, there's a number of cases I could uh, probably um, state that is one of the reasons why I actually decided to run for this office against my opponent is because of some of the things that I think she's misplayed or uh, misled people about. And so I think that's one of the things that I think is probably the biggest thing I would say to anybody is to know what the, the facts are um, around the whole situation. Even if you're hearing one opinion, again, in my campaign, running as an independent and being able to take in uh, both sides of the equation. I know that my opponent's not really happy with Who's you know I I um I don't mean to cut you off. No, sorry. It's framed as like what what advice you would you give a friend? Right. So yeah. Um, right. So right. without bringing it the the, sure. the campaign aspects. Sure. Into so it. I, yeah, it, one of the foundations of what I've found successful is to hear both sides of the argument. I think the both sides are often very very passionate and want to have success, and so being able to listen to both sides find that middle ground or commonalities are important, I think, for anyone. So, Mary, if you were going to give advice to a friend on how they can build and maintain a good reputation for their career, what would you say? I would say get out and meet uh, with as many people as you can and be very honest and forthcoming and be able to answer the hard questions. And it may not be the answer sometimes that, that people are after, but I think honesty goes a long way. And I think that's what people want in a person is to see who that person really is, for them to be honest and transparent and build relationships because uh, relationships are important and that's what builds trust. And it doesn't matter what political party, get in front of as many people as you can and tell your story, which is what I try to do. And I would recommend that anybody else do that as well. And listen and see what is really important to people. All right. Um, so we have time for, uh, I think, our last question here, which is actually going to be your questions. Um, ah. And Mary, maybe this is an opportunity for you to clear up um, some uh, what, what Stuart was saying in terms of uh, uh, the, his last answer. But um, uh, Mary... You get to ask Stuart a oh. question, and then Stuart, you're going to get to ask Mary a question. The surprise question. This is All us. Right. We're just getting lazy at the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Think like, of a last oh. question. So, um, Mary, what question do you have for Stuart? So, with little or no executive management experience, how would you run an organization with with forty people and six and a half million dollar budget? Oh, that's a that's actually a great question. I although I have not been county auditor before, uh, I do have a tremendous amount of leadership experience and leadership training. So I think one of the things that I've brought to every team that has uh, sort of contributed to my rise to the top of this profession uh, within the state of Washington, at least I think you would agree with that, is that I am uh, oftentimes uh, able to facilitate discussion and dialogue between two people that do not want to have talks to each other. They don't want to talk. They don't want to listen to each other. And I'm able to facilitate and get them onto the same page. And so that leadership experience and 
and county government is much needed. Um, and I think that bringing that to the table along with all the rest of my skills, I think I don't um, sit idly by. I'm always wanting to innovate and provide new experiences and encourage my teams to, even if their uh, desires is not to work for the county auditor's office, to build their career and to inspire them to do what they love to do. Um, I'm a candidate that is family first um, and sort of the job will come later. And so I think being able to separate those two and not have people under uh, undue pressures, I think creates a better team around you that will then make you more successful. All right. And I've got a great team around me. Yeah. Actually, Stuart said that right at the start. Yes, yeah, she does. She absolutely um, does. Stuart, what question do you have for Mary? Oh, gosh. So with um, three of the 10 worst elections turnouts, voter turnout, in just terms of voter turnout, happening in the last uh, five years in, under your uh, um, leadership, what would you have done differently in, that, in the last five years? What have you learned that you would have done differently um, that contributed to that voter turnout? Well, I think what contributed to a decrease is the fact that we've increased voter registration tremendously. So I can get people registered to vote, but I cannot make them vote. So it's like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, right? So we have really focused on voter outreach, getting in high schools, voter National Voter Registration Day. We have gone all in for that every year. And we do an awful lot to get people registered to vote. Really, it's the issues that drive turnout. It's the candidates on the ballot. It's the issues on the ballot that really drive turnout. We're doing as much as we can with the small budget we have because my predecessor gave away $80,000 um, of an outreach budget. So, you know, we're doing what we can for as little as we can. But again, I don't control the media market and... Um, the media market also has elections going on at the same time as you most of the time. Well, well let, let, let her finish her. Let her, finish her <laughs> right. But there used to be a lot of public service announcements on the radio, on TV, and you really don't see that anymore. Who drives advertising and voter turnout is King County, King County alone. And there really are not a lot of other resources being put into getting people out to vote. Well, that concludes the, the questions that we have um, in front of us, and we're about the end of our time here. So um, how about a closing statement from each of you? We'll start, start with Mary and then move on to Stuart. So I'm very proud of the work that I've done in the five years I've been in office. I've been creative in how to save money for the county. For example, I partnered with the state of Washington, Secretary of State's office on combining the general election voter pamphlets, which in 2014 saved $25,000, $16,000 in 2016. I brought on a grants manager and have worked closely with our internal auditor to strengthen financial controls. And I broke down silos. The county used to be very siloed before I took office. And now when there's turnover in a, ver a different department, public health, for example, I will send a unit to triage to make sure that they don't get behind, that they don't miss reports, because a lot of the findings we were getting, the audit findings, were over grant reporting or not having segregation of duties and strong financial controls. So I've worked hard to break down the silos and make the county more of a team and not just individual offices and departments. And I think that's been very successful. You know, my elections team is great. 
We've done a, a great job with elections. We Our reviews were perfect. And we're working very hard to actually lead the county in cybersecurity. I founded the Cybersecurity Task Force, and it's very active. We have all the leaders in the county participating. I'm working to bring on another two-day homeland security training for all county offices and government and departments. I'm viewed as a leader in Thurston County, and I'd like to continue leading. It's a great job. All right. Stuart? Yeah, so the elevator speech, the boring elevator speech. I know we saved it to the end, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Please stick with me here for a second. But yeah, essentially my my campaign is about uh, trust, accountability, innovation. I have no obligation other than to speak the truth and tell it straight to anyone. I think one of the things that I bring also to the table is that innovation, that ability to take the auditor's office to places it's never been, uh, to plateaus it's never been. I don't, I don't. There's a lot of barriers that I think are just of the imagination. The auditor's office is currently only in Olympia, and that's a small area of Thurston County. I think being able to provide some of those services to the rural areas. Um, and I know that uh, there's sub-agents that provide licensing services and things like that, but I don't see reason why you couldn't have innovation even in that area. I think the um, accountability side of it, there is, um, as a data analyst, being able to, like I mentioned before, spot patterns that are unusual, stop them before they become a much larger issue. Um, as you're looking at um not only the tax dollars and where it's going, but as I mentioned before, with the literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of fees that Thurston County residents are paying uh, in fees, whether it's on their license tabs or in documents, recording, or in uh, marriage licensing being another one that's a, a kind of a, a, something that the auditor is also responsible for. It's under document recording, but yeah. But anyway, being able to be accountable to not only the money that is being spent within the budget, as uh, we mentioned earlier, it's the auditor's uh, state responsi- or state law required responsibility to have those budget um, oversight, uh, but being able to also provide that transparency back to the people on where their money is going. Maybe Maybe the auditor doesn't have the authority to choose how it gets spent, but they certain she certainly knows where it where it's coming from and where it's going, um, and so being able to hold uh, your other elected officials accountable to how they are spending that money, being able to uh, kind of inspire change in different ways is is something that uh, I'm excited about. That's the reason one of the reasons why I ran uh, for this office, and so thank you for sticking with me on that. All right. All right. Well, thank you both so much for being on the show. Um, Mary Holm, Stuart Holmes, both running for Thurston County Auditor. This has been the Olympia Standard. If you have any questions about any of the content in our shows or would like to propose a topic, you can reach us at theolympiastandard at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at the Oli Standard, and we are on Facebook at the Olympia Standard. And we're also active in the Olympia subreddit. Uh, sitting about, I don't know, about 10 feet from me is Jimmy Joe. He's the one who's producing the show for us and his best friend his name is Guire McGuire and Guire if you really like the music he did the music and when you put Jimmy and Guire together they equal Olympia Pop Rocks you can support the good work of the people Olympia Pop Rocks by going to olympiapoprocks.com and buying a t-shirt I know it's getting kind of cold but you can wear t-shirts under a sweater and you can go to Patreon You oh you have sweaters too oh man that would be awesome and um, if you don't want to buy clothing from them you can go to patreon.com slash the uh, not the just slash Olympia Pop Rocks thank you so much for listening (laughs) bye